a psalm of David, we are told. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Amen. May God add his own blessing to that reading with his own precious word. Well, we're going to turn back to the book of Judges and continue looking um, at these uh, wondrous events. Events, perhaps, some look on as... uh, a bit gory, some look on as dramatic, lots of uh, warfare going on, lots of uh, killing, maiming and doing all sorts of things. And perhaps some people want to turn away from these things, it's the harsher side in many ways. People tend to want to think about the love and the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. Uh, but one of the things that these um, verses, these chapters emphasise It's basically the sin of man. We know we have a loving God. We know we have a merciful Heavenly Father. We know we have a Saviour. But we're not so keen keen to admit our own sinful nature. And as is mentioned many times here in this particular book, the people of Israel again did evil in the sight of Almighty God. And so we have been considering with this ultimate thought in mind, haven't we, that in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And in many ways, that's the epitome of the sin within us. We have this desire to do what we want to do without any reference in many ways to external authority. We want to do what we think is right and we won't accept in many ways the authority, or even in modern days and perhaps through the centuries, the fact that there is an authoritative God who has created all things. So we're in this position, aren't we? A picture, that uh, a book and pictures in the book that represent the heart and the mind of mankind ever since they brought into existence. And so we've looked at these judges. We've looked at Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, uh, we've looked partly at Deborah, and we're going to continue on that this evening. Tola, Jair, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. And after this evening, we'll just have the two fairly major judges, Gideon and Samson, perhaps the most controversial of all the judges. But we're looking this evening again at Deborah. Uh, we looked last time, didn't we, at the fact that uh, she recruited Barak, Uh, to lead the Israelite army and they took battle with uh, Sisera who was the captain of Jabin's army Uh, 
And again, we remind ourselves where these events took place. We looked at Deborah there, and the action took, takes place uh, around the uh, um, settlements of Zebulun and Issachar there. And we know that they came down from the mountains and they took battle with Sisera and with God's uh, uh, assistance, God's overruling in many ways, they were able to win the battle. And then we read that Sisera escaped the battlefield and he came uh, to the house of Heba and it was there that he met his end at the hand of Jael, um, Heba's wife. And so after these things have happened, we read of this song here. Uh, chapter 5 in Judges, verse 1. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day. And we'll look at this uh, song in a little detail. But I suppose being a musician of some sorts and uh, having an interest in songs and music and things, my thoughts went to the songs in the Bible. Perhaps in a nice way, Mike, this might be a little footnote to your session, your message on worship a few weeks ago, which was very helpful, very helpful. So what do we know about songs in the Bible? How many songs do you think there are recorded in the Bible? I thought you could put your hand up, Paul. <laughs> How many songs do you think there are recorded in the Bible? Songs, yes, Mike. Include the Psalms as songs? Well, they're songs, yes, definitely. Very close. Anybody else want an advance on 200 or less than 200? Well, just to press on, there's 185, I'm told. I haven't read them all or looked them all up, but I'm told there are 185 uh, hymns, songs, including the Psalms. So that takes out a big bunch. How many Psalms are there? 150, that's right, 150 psalms. So that leaves 35 other passages designated as songs. As well as those, there is, of course, a book called The Song of Solomon. Um, we can also class in this group the Lamentations, which are, in many ways, songs of lament. So here we have a Bible full of songs. And so, therefore, singing songs is an important part of worship. So, the first song that we come across in the scriptures is the song of Moses and Miriam. We know, don't we, that uh, happens, this song comes about, they sing this song after one of the great miracles, isn't it? The crossing of the Red Sea, allowing the children of Israel to cross on dry ground, escaping Pharaoh's army. And of course, when they pursue the Egyptians, God shuts the sea over them, washing away their chariots. And the horsemen, we, since we were children, I think we've learned of that song. And we know the uh, Moses leads the men in the song and Miriam leads the women. And the chorus that's repeated often, isn't it? Sing, O Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. Very specific, and we look at this as part one of the natures of biblical songs in many ways, particularly in the Old Testament. So this was the very first song that's recorded in the scripture. And then there is the song of wells in the wilderness. You could find this in Numbers, up chapter 21. 
And what we find is that Israel was wandering through the wilderness. They came to this place called Beer, which is the Hebrew word for well. And uh, surprise, surprise, as the commentator puts it, there's a well there big enough where the whole nation refills its water supply. And we're all very aware, aren't we, of the importance of water in the desert situation. And so it's a pretty happy occasion and the Israelites break into song and the song is recorded there. Spring up, O well, sing to it. The well which the leaders sank, referring to the ancient fathers, uh, sank wells, didn't they? In which the nobles of the people dug with the scepter and with their stars. We haven't got time to go into much detail, but I just want to show you uh, and it's, it's been interesting for me as I prepare this and want to share with you uh, the role and the, the, the number of occasions in the scripture where these songs of joy uh, are recorded for us. There's the song of Moses and Joshua as they're preparing to enter the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy right at the very end. We know the last few chapters, Matthew, uh, Moses is recommissioning the people to enter into the land. He appoints Joshua as his successor. Uh, he lays down the law and then he makes the people, doesn't he, swear their allegiance uh, to their God. And he says to them, I set before you life and death. Uh, choose life that you may live long in the land. So then Moses sums it all up, doesn't he, in uh, the last few chapters, Moses sums it all up in a song which he and Joshua teach to the people. It's a covenant song of God's faithfulness. He is described here as the righteous rock of Israel. And the song reminds Israel of the Lord's blessings and warns them of the consequences of disobeying him. Um, this was we find right at the end of Deuteronomy, just before Moses is taken by God. And so there's a, just a few lines reiterating the fact that he is the rock. He is perfect. All his work is perfect. All his ways are best. He is a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. It's a wonderful thought to take with us day by day, isn't it? There is a remembrance of his faithfulness. He never changes. His work, his purposes, his will are perfect in all ways and in all his ways he, he is just in all the circumstances that he brings upon us uh, they are just and right and righteousness perhaps a couple more now song of David's victory after the uh, defeat of Goliath and the Philistines there we see David kills and he and King Saul triumphantly return from the battle the women of the cities are very excited about this and they meet Saul with musical instruments, dancing, and a new song. And of course, the song becomes very popular and is widely sung. Even in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we read that the Philistines uh, pick up the refrain in many ways. And then sadly, as we see there in that story again, which we've heard since Sunday school days, Saul is immediately jealous. And because the song has this, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. So that's yes, another song. And then this wonderful song. I love the book of Habakkuk. I think someone recently did a short series on Habakkuk. The first two chapters, aren't they? It's only three chapters long, and the first two chapters are this dialogue between God and Habakkuk. 
um, and how God will deal. The questions were to God how we will deal with the violence and the injustice in the land of Judah. There's that wonderful passage, it says, uh, these things that even though you see them, you won't believe what's happening. And we know he goes on to explain about how he will use the Babylons, that fierce and vicious nation. And so we find that Habakkuk writes this song right at the end of chapter 3. The whole of chapter 3 is a sort of prayer, but right at the end of the chapter, we have this, what we might describe as a hymn of faith. And it's that wonderful lines there, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the store, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. What uh, verses to close the record of hymns and songs in the Old Testament. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. A wonderful psalm, wonderful song, almost of elevation, isn't it? He will give me light feet. He will make me walk on high places, on high hills. We are raised up in that sense, spiritually at least, from what Habakkuk is telling us. And then finally, just one, the last song of Moses and the Lamb. It's interesting, if you go to Revelation 15, verse 3, there is this song, and it's described as they sing a new song of Moses, it has one with different words, but a similar message. God has conquered the enemy and deserves praise. And this is the theme, isn't it, that runs very much through the book of Judges. God has conquered his enemies and he deserves praise. And there are the words of the uh, great song at the end of time. Great and marvellous are our works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear the Lord? And that's in many ways taken up by Paul, as he says, uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. Yes, all nations, all nations will acknowledge that he is righteous and true. He is the Lord God Almighty. So we can learn much from the songs in the scriptures, they are often long, sometimes short. They also have a narrative that they remind the people of Israel and they remind us time and time again of the wondrous things that God has done for his people. So we come now after that introduction to this particular song, the song of Deborah, found here as we've said in Judges chapter 5. So, print this off a bit small, so come there. So, this is uh, another song of victory, as uh, Moses and Miriam's song, saying of the victory that God wrought on their behalf. So, uh, Deborah and Barak are now uh, remembering another victory song, how God has defeated the enemies and we're told it's probably one of the oldest texts in the bible these events uh, took place didn't they as the people of israel uh, were living in the land back in the not quite the beginning of time but after some years and so this is recorded for us here 
the background as we looked at last time, Deborah, a prophetess, already a person on whom the Spirit of God was dwelling. Uh, prophets and prophetesses, of course, were set apart by God. They were given, in many cases, great courage. They were given great insights into the word. I often think of uh, Elijah having to go uh, before the awful King Ahab. How brave he must have been, or given the courage to do it. Even Moses was another prophet going before Pharaoh, uh, entering into Pharaoh's palace, surrounded by guards, surrounded by large contingents of uh, men set aside to protect the Pharaoh. Moses had to go and speak on behalf of Almighty God to this powerful Pharaoh. So they were set aside, they were given the abilities. Deborah is one here. And again, through Barak, they lead to this small militia against Jabin's army, who was the overlord in many ways of the whole region of Canaan. The Israelites were supposed to pay tribute to him in order to live quietly and safely. But then uh, she recruits Barak and they go and they take battle, as we have said, against Sisera. They win the battle as Sisera escapes and he comes to the door of the tent of Jael and of course he takes rest and she slays him as we know very well. And so with the battle won and Deborah Barak write a song of praise to God rejoicing over God's deliverance. They also sing about the battle heroes and even wonder what it must be uh, to be Sisera's mum as she waits for the return of her son who's never going to return home again alive. And so we have, uh, again, this theme that comes through the book of Judges, this theme of uh, praise, but also this theme of honour. The supplication is, thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the rising of the sun. In its might. What a wonderful thought this is that uh, it's a verses, it's lines of hope, it's lines of encouragement, isn't it? Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord. So, as we look at this, just as a sort of little side note here, uh, I don't know if you, anybody, I've never studied Hebrew poetry, and the only Hebrew words I probably know are those associated with the names of Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Jireh, some of us will know Jehovah Sidkenu, uh, Yahweh himself. But what we learn from the scholars is that Hebrew poetry can be very, very, very difficult to translate and also to interpret. And it struck me as I was uh, going through uh, this study that uh, if we go back to the original Hebrew, um, a literal translation of the first and second verses are this. Then sang Deborah and Barak on that day, saying, For the loose flowing of the long hair, for the free dedication of the people, praise ye Jehovah. Now, if you're looking at your version, that's very, very different. So, I thought we'd just follow this through for a little while. And we go to the 1599 version, the Geneva Bible. And uh, the translators there tell us, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, the same day, saying, 
Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel and for the people that offered themselves willingly. Then we go forward just a few years and we come to the 1611 King James Version and we read this. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinuam, the day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel and for the people that offered themselves willingly. Not a lot of difference between those two versions. And not surprisingly, because they're only about 12, 13 years apart. And then we come forward to 1982, probably to our own New King James Version, published by Thomas Nelson. And again, we find a different translation. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinuam, sang on that day, saying, When leaders in Israel lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. So we move from loose flowing long hair, when leaders lead in Israel. But I think the key theme that still comes through, and of course we have to acknowledge in many ways uh, the weakness of human translators, they're not divinely inspired, are they? As were the men that wrote the scriptures. And also, there's been developments in language, technology and understanding, perhaps in years past, that perhaps words, phrases, interpretations will change. But what we read in each of the three cases that uh, the need to praise the Lord, to bless the Lord uh, for the goodness of God in all his actions, in all his doings, and in all his ways. So, beginning on that note, we will find probably, and I think just the basic reading on the face of it, it's very difficult to put it all in context and where it all fits together. So, Having again had some good access to previous scholarship, let's just try and uh, help ourselves to understand it. So in the basic structure, we have a number of sections. The first section is verses 2 to the third part of verse 11. If I just read verse 11, Far from the noise of the archers among the watery places, there they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts for his villagers in Israel. So that's where the first section in and begins with verse 2. And as we read, verse 2 reads, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. And what we see here is basically the telling of the story. There's this liveliness of God, verses 4 and 5. Here is Deborah and Barak together. Uh, remembering, Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured, the clouds also poured water, the mountains gushed before the Lord, this Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. Now, it may be that uh, the gushing forth of the waters, the clouds pouring forth water, um, refer to the fact that during this battle there was a fierce thunderstorm and it was obviously a factor in aiding the Israelites to defeat. So, marching forth from Edom and Seir to rescue and deliver his people from the oppression of Jabin and Sisera. These are the opening words of praise. And indeed, Ralph Davis uh, makes this lovely comment here. He says, God's afflicted people should derive great comfort from knowing that the God who came from Sinai 
Remember, God met Moses on the mountain. Uh, God who came from Sinai, or even the God who came from Golgotha, who entered into Golgotha, is the God who repeatedly, and we've stressed this, haven't we? There are 12 occasions, 12 judges here, 12 occasions where God repeatedly comes and comes and comes again uh, to aid his people in distress. And Dale Ralph Davis ends with this delightful phrase in many ways. He says, Omnipotence delights in encores. God will do it time and time and time again. Not that he has to, but that he delights to do it for the sake of his people. So here we have, in many ways, the opening thoughts, the opening words of praise and encouragement. And again, this section ends with this thought. Bless Yahweh for willing people. Reminds me of that passage right at the end of uh, Chronicles, where David gathers together all the... uh, gold, silver, precious jewels, precious stones for the building of the temple. And he gives thanks to God for the willingness of the people to bring so much wealth and so much uh, to contribute to the building of the temple that will become Solomon's temple. And he says, but who am I and who are my people? And he says that all we have brought is only giving back to you what you have given to us. So the people were made willing And here again, the people have been made willing under the good hand of God to go forth. The tribes, uh, Zebulun and Issachar, were called down, weren't they, to come together under Barak and to take on the battle, Uh, perhaps taking on the battle in the knowledge uh, that they were grossly outnumbered, uh, that uh, Sisera's army was a fierce and at times very successful, uh, but very brutal army. They went, perhaps, made willing in their trust in Almighty God. And so it moves on. Again, uh, the second part um, is uh, in verse 10, beginning in verses 10 to 11. So, the second part of the structure, verses 11, the end of verse 11 to the end of verse 23. This section focuses very much on the people of Israel as we come down there is this phrase that is repeated some time and time again. Um, The Lord came down for me against the mighty, says in verse 13. And again, we read it lower down. The Lord came down. The people came down. They were prepared to come together with the Lord. And we find the history there, the record of the brave ones. Um, It says there again in verse 15, and the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, as Issachar, so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command among the division of Reuben, and so it goes back. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. Why did Dan remain on the ships? Asher continued at the seashore. It's speaking here of those who were unafraid to go and those who held back. Uh, the kings came to fight, verse 19. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. And so it goes on. And then in verse 21, again, referring perhaps to this thunderstorm, uh, the torrents of Kishon swept them away, the ancient torrent. Oh, my soul, march in strength. And so we go through a section here where he's uh, going through uh, the focus on the people of Israel. Uh, Curses Meroz, 
says the angel of the Lord. Curses inhabited bitterly because they did not come to the age of the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. And then in the next section we uh, read the ser- about the servant of Yahweh, who is, of course, Jael, the wife of Heber, verses 24 to 27. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water, she gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand, and again, she's reciting the detail here, stroke by stroke almost. She stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded scissor as she pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he, there he fell dead. Such detail. You would wonder why such detail is included. Well, again, we know that uh, the Bible is a book of detail because of the sin of man. And again, it's here for us to read and to ponder. Again, if we reference that with the detail that we have concerning our Lord's great suffering. And although he fell from the cross in many ways, as he gave up his spirit, he didn't feel, fell, fall dead. He was raised again from the grave. And then there's this quite strange section, 28 to 30, uh, pondering uh, the thoughts going through the mind of the mother of Sisera. The mother of Sisera looked through the window and cried out through the lattice, Why is his chariot so lating, so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? The wisest lazies answered her, Yes, she answered herself, Are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man, a girl or two, for Sisera, plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments, embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. Incredible passage, difficult to know. But in, I suppose in some ways it adds to the, um, the majesty, really, of the word that's given here that tends and is designed in many ways to exhort the role as it adds an intense a contrast between the praise for God for the victory and the praise to God in many ways for the defeat of the man. He has left um, a mother of a bereft, bereft of a son. And then we come right to the end of this song. Um, we talk about here the kingdom of Zahway, Yahweh rather, and we have this phrase repeated again as it has been. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. I'm not often up early enough to see the sunrise, but I have seen a few in my time, and it is, isn't it? It's immense, particularly on a clear morning. You see the very dim light, and gradually the uh, sun appears. And if it's a red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning, they say, but if it's a red sunrise, it is magnificent. And that's a wonderful picture, isn't it, of the strength and the power 
of those who love the Lord, not from themselves, uh, but from the one who is uh, the light of the world, the son of all men. And so, again, the overthrow of Jabin, Sisera and, Karen, and the Canaanites can be seen. Like all the other victories in the book, they can be seen as a foretaste, a preview, if you like, a scale model of what Yahweh will do when he finally conquers all his and our enemies. That's taken from the Westminster Short Catechism, uh, question 26. You see, this is, in many ways, if we pray, let all your enemies uh, be defeated, let all your enemies uh, perish, this is what we're praying for, isn't it? When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, all the beings obey, all the beings worship, all the beings give praise and honour. There is no rebellion in heaven. There is no anti-God feeling in heaven. And so for God's kingdom to come on earth, as it will do eventually, there is no relief for God's people until all the enemies of God and his people are destroyed. This is an amazing thought. And so again, just as a record, as a type, as, a, as he says there, a scale model, the overthrow of Jabin and Sisera are clear witnesses and is a clear witness that the reign of Yahweh is really coming. So just a few thoughts at the end. Despite the other victories granted by God, this is the only one of the victories that is accompanied by a song of victory recorded in the book of Judges. It is, therefore, this song of Deborah and Barak, a permanent narrative of God's dealings with his people and their enemies. And it's good, isn't it, to stand back and take account and think upon, meditate upon the goodness of God to his people, uh, to us in our day and age. And it's a song that's recorded in the scriptures for our learning instruction in the practice of praise and the worship. Praise and worship should always, I think, include some element of meditation on the goodness of God uh, both now and in days past. And uh, it gives us a sense of perspective, doesn't it? Uh, that we can see how great our God is and how weak and ineffective we are without his abilities. So, again, just one thing to point out. There is, as we have said, so much specific and so much attention to detail found in this song. And indeed, as we go through the events of Gideon and of Samson, we find that very little is excluded uh, and indeed we're asked to read some rather disturbing things but then again as we said right at the beginning it does point uh, to, for us to become face to face with the sinfulness and the sin nature uh, that we have and again as we are conscious of the small as well as the large mercies of the deliverances of the Lord there are so many things here that uh, perhaps we as individuals will consider inconsequential. We might want to gloss over. But again, the scriptures teach us in many ways this practice of being very conscious of the small as well as the great things that God has done for us. And again, we close perhaps with this question. Do we respond as greatly as we should for all God's many mercies 
it's it's so easy, isn't it? As believers, so familiar with the scriptures, so familiar with the record of God's uh, mercies to his people. And although we have for the faith to believe in God's mercies toward us, do we at sometimes tend to take all these wonderful gifts, as we mentioned on Christmas Day, all the wonderful gifts, gifts that God has provided for us, all the wonderful mercies that we experience day by day, do we become too familiar with them as to almost be contemptuous for them? Pray that that would never happen, but we do need, I think, as the scriptures demonstrate, to pay close attention and to record these things and to fix them in our minds that these are things to be prayed for, these are things to praise God for, and they're certainly things to be meditated upon. Oh, may God bless his word to us this evening. Right, well, before we come to prayer, then let's turn in our hymn books and sing together hymn number 408, 408, as we come to the throne of grace, through every stormy wind that blows, from every swelling tide of woes, there is a calm, a safe retreat. It is found beneath the mercy seat. Hymn 408. description of where we come to now as we come to the mercy seat